Welcome to Media Roots Radio. This is your host, Abby Martin. And this is your co-host, Robbie Martin. Welcome. So we, we haven't recorded a podcast for a little bit. It's been a little bit crazy. Um, last time we recorded one, it was before the coup in Ukraine, before all this Crimea shit went down, and before I spoke out on RT and made international headlines about, <laughs> about my opposition to it. So a lot's happened. We're sorry that we haven't recorded anything, but here's the tell-all episode of what's going down and and how it all happened and you know what's happening in the aftermath um i'll just i'll just say really quickly that you know i have had the chance to learn a lot more about ukraine people have been sending me links uh up the yin yang and it is very complicated it's not a black or white situation i know that there is a a pact or like an uh an agreement between ukraine and russia to keep troops stationed there i understand that um, however, I don't understand why there's so much military movement right in the wake of the coup. It's like, if that agreement was binding, like it isn't binding in the new interim government. So, you know, my position still stands. I have a moral reprehension to military force. And I just feel like that was like a, a like a show of force. Um, even if there is an agreement to have troops there, like it still was clearly a show of force. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And what bothers me i mean in the wake of all this i mean this is i mean the whole time we've been doing the podcast the whole time you've been doing breaking the set you have only been at the center of the story only one other time and that was when Rand paul tried to get you fired and arrested so like this is i mean the whole time we've been doing this and mostly you've been doing it on your own this is only like the second time where like the story like you actually became the the story Mm -hmm. and you know the Rand paul thing was like barely made any waves i mean it it, it, you know a lot of people in the libertarian movement and in the patriot movement ignored it but this time we it totally broke through international headlines Um, yeah it went to the wire services it went everywhere yeah and and this is how it all went down it's that you know my brother and i did this podcast about ukraine it was actually right before the coup happened and then i saw all the military movements going on in crimea i remember it was friday night and i was like so uh looks like uh, russia's moving into and Crimea. like there. what's yeah i mean and so i talked to my brother over the weekend i talked to my producer manny and i was just like look um you know i knew that there would be a time working for rt i didn't know it happened so quickly but i knew that a time would come where i would risk my job and probably lose my job by speaking out against russia on the platform that i have and i just was like well you know it happened quicker than i thought but i might be you know without a job in a couple of days robbie and you you just said like i totally support what you do and manny really supported me and i was just like all right like we'll see what happens so i just it was kind of just known that 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 was the chance i was going to take yeah Um, and i remember how sad i was because like i had just come and visited (laughs) you and spent like almost a whole week with you in dc and then like i was thinking oh how sad it would be if like that was you know the only time i came visited you on my own and like spent that much time at your work and then now it's all over like i was just i was like super bummed out i think you texted me you said like i think i'm gonna be fired yeah basically because you because of you knew that 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 intersection had come i remember even on friday you were interviewing was it was that same guy that Mm -hmm. from like who was in crimea yeah and uh you were kind of like i think you kind of got the sense on friday that things were gonna you were just like i have to talk about this like on monday you know i have to address it and you know i went into work and i just told my boss i was like look um here's the deal i feel extremely strongly about this and i was like you know, I'm going to say something on the show. And he was just like, 
you're just like look uh do what you got to do i was just like look i'm i'm basically i'm not going to do a show unless i can say something so he didn't really know what i was going to say but he just kind of like knew that that was that was kind of my ultimatum that i was laying out on the table i was like look it's either this or or not you know i mean they're going to do a show and like say something about this or i'm not going to do a show like it you know and he and he ultimately was just like all right go for it and he had no idea what i was going to say because he does not read my scripts and has really zero control over what I do and say on the show. I mean, we have editorial meetings where I like pitch stories and he just kind of is like, sounds good. Like, go do it. I mean, that's every single newsroom. If you've ever worked in a newsroom, it's pretty much operates the exact same way. It's not Putin doesn't give us a roundtable discussion every morning about what we're going to cover, no matter what all these hit pieces has said in the aftermath of all this shit. But so I wrote a little piece right from my heart based on all the things that I've been reading and, and just witnessing with my own eyes over the weekend and that day. And, um, and I brought it out with me and I just gave, gave an impassioned little speech and it went up online and became completely viral within like 12 hours. It already gotten like 2 million hits. And I woke up to this amazing article by Glenn Greenwald on The Intercept just talking about where was the voice of opposition to like the Iraq wars on the corporate media and just immediately cutting through all the bullshit that we were about to encounter with the corporate media spin immediately. Like before anything was spun, Glenn Green already nailed like right to the heart of the issue. Yeah. It was like basically saying like the fact that this girl was able to do this on a network sponsored and funded by public grants in Russia in the exact same way that Al Jazeera and, and BBC are and the Amer of Qatar and um, the British parliament the fact that I was able to criticize Russia so vehemently and impassionately, like that shows that I have like a lot of editorial freedom with my job. Like basically the, the it's, it's very well known. Like Russia today, RT is, has one interest and it's, I mean, not one interest in terms of the people working there. It's just like, if you're looking at conflicts of interest, it's in the name. Yeah. I mean, it's created to, to, to basically give the Russian foreign policy perspective of the world. Mm -hmm. And Glenn Greenwald was pointing out like, the fact that this girl is able to go on there and like give like such like harsh criticisms of something that Russia's doing like shows that she has pushed the editorial limit like beyond anyone in the corporate media like pretty much ever has yeah, without yeah. serious repercussions. As we know, Peter Arnett of NBC and Phil Donahue of MSNBC both got immediately fired speaking out against the Iraq war. And Peter Arnett was even on an Iraqi television network. He wasn't even like on NBC and he got a note from management saying, you're putting a bad face on us during a time of war. It was like, I think Chris Hedges referred to it as like when corporate media like officially died. Yeah. And it was became, like the burning yeah. tire thing that mm -hmm. Dan Rather talks about. So, you know, it was a beautiful article by Glenn and I was just overjoyed by how amazing it was that he was able to just cut through this immediately and he was also just saying and also as on a side note when have you ever heard anyone on the corporate media talking about obama's drone wars about gaza just like laying out every single thing he's like about what the u.s was doing in ukraine just laying out everything that you'll just hear that's completely taboo on the mainstream so i you know i woke up to this not only glenn greenwald but thousands of articles all across the newswire picking up on the story because of course as we know there is a bizarre anti-russian fervor it started with it started a long time ago i think the cold war never really ended it changed it morphed no russia's always been a power to be reckoned with it's never you know it's it's always been this kind of opposition force that the u.s has known that it's had to deal with um but instead of brute force 
you know, it's gone into the propaganda realm where the U.S., you know, after the Snowden Asylum thing, and then it was the Sochi Olympics, and then it was the gay law. It's just like, it's always been like a buzz in in the mainstream for the last like pretty much year yeah and before the the this last year it was almost like for the whole bush administration i remember that this kind of quasi adversarial putin versus the united states thing was happening much more in the background and i remember cheney even said something in the press where like a lot of people are like whoa did the vice president just reignite the cold war like back in like 2005 or 2006 yeah and then it was mostly just in the background. Very little stuff was happening. Um, I remember they they was floated in the media. You know when those journalists got killed in Russia, like that was like somehow like went into our media cycle, and that sort of helped create a little bit of like bad PR about Russia. And then after that, um, yeah, then it started to bubble up to the surface of like media, and it actually started to turn into, you know, the the, the gays in Russia have really, um, you know, have a really hard time. They're getting beaten. Um, the, uh, I mean, it was it was of all different kinds. It wasn't just the Russian gay thing at first. What it was what Syria? Was the Syria. Oh, and Snowden too. Yeah. You just mentioned that. Yeah. Um, Syria, Snowden. Oh, and then not only the Syrian intervention thing where Putin was like, yeah, we'll help you get the chemical weapons out. But like nine months before that, China and Russia both vetoed like the UN vote to sanction Syria. So that's kind of, I think when it, that's when we recorded that episode of our podcast, mm -hmm. I think was six, seven months ago or so. Um, and I just wanted to explain really quickly what happened just so I can give my side of the story to anyone who's been reading like just outlandish interpretations in the press of what has happened to RT and me personally is um, after this happened and it became completely viral. And of course, all everyone across the entire media spectrum picked up on the fact that a, an anchor journalist on a Russian backed TV station has spoken out about Russia and now they're shipping her to Crimea. I mean, I woke up to basically this press release on the Huffington Post website saying, you know, this shows that we have editorial freedom. We don't badger our journalists to say what they want to say. And it was like, and that's why we're shipping Abby to Crimea. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I go in and Press I, Press release know, from RT official. Yeah, like it was from like upper management in Moscow. And I mean, I don't have any, you know, they're like I don't get direction from Moscow, nor do I have any really contact with anyone in Moscow. So I went in and my boss in DC was just like, hey, um, would you like to go to Crimea? And I was like, you know what? I woke up to already saying that I was going and like, and I was contemplating, you know, would I be missing a chance if I like, maybe if I could go to Kiev first and make contacts and like get war training. And then I was just like, you know what? I don't even want to take the risk of having like a PR trip. I was like, I don't, as good of an opportunity as it would be. I was like, it's just bizarre circumstances to like send me to Crimea today. Like yeah. in the wake of all this Like they're insanity. trying to prove a point or Yeah, something. it was just like, you know what? Like, no, thank you, okay. but no. Um but of course, the media, it didn't stop the media from picking up on the story and basically saying Russian backed journalist speaks out and gets shipped to Crimea as like a punitive yeah. measure. Yeah. And no one quoted like you, you just kept saying, reiterating that you didn't want like a vetted experience where you'd be surrounded by like Russian troops, like walking you through the war zone or whatever, like the, you know. Yeah, and then I mean, and really, what I think you were meant by that is like what you had learned from watching Iraq war coverage. Right. Like you no, didn't you want the green zone. You didn't want yeah. the Russian equivalent of like yeah, green zone bullshit. Yeah. Where they no, just walk you through and that's get, that's yeah. what journalist trips are to war zones yeah. is that they're literally taken around with troops. Like mm -hmm. that's not, and I don't speak Russian. I don't. Yeah. 
it doesn't make any sense unless I were have the ability to like spend a month researching and like making independent contacts and going outside of whatever zone there is. And that's not just with Russia. I mean, that's every single military zone in the world that has to do with like US and stuff too. So, you know, I said, I declined the offer. I did a show that day. I, I said that I stood by everything I said, but the most peculiar thing about what happened in the wake of it was seeing how that one statement became so viral just because it fit the narrative of the demonization of Russia going on. Oh my God, yeah. And it was just absolutely fascinating to see myself kind of being spun in the yarn of, of, of a media machine that I criticize on a daily basis with my media criticism show. And I was like right in the heart of it. Yeah. You know, nothing I'd ever said about Obama and I criticized the US establishment and just hegemony and imperialism every single day, not just the US, Britain, I mean, every, every world superpower. Um, but the second that I saw Russia doing something that I felt was morally reprehensible and like stood opposed to my moral compass, I spoke out. How many other people could say the same? And you know, at the end of the day, I, I have my job and I'm still using my platform to speak out against everything. And I will continue to do that. Um, and so what happened next was truly fascinating though. So, you know, we had the day of witnessing the AP Newswire pick up on, on the fact that I spoke out against Russia and it was like the craziest thing in the world. Watch my show. It is the most progressive show you will see on TV. Yeah. Hands down. I mean, you won't see topics that I cover on any other show on TV. Period. I mean, like it blows democracy now, like out of the water. Yeah, it's like just super just cutting. Like, like, it's just like, dude, I mean, it's super cutting shit. Yeah. And, and you will not see anything like it. And so I think basically what happened next was that all of this kind of like semi-conservative and also just like very generic and neoliberal people who had picked up on my statement and had like promoted me as this anti-Russian hero immediately realized that the things that I had covered on my show were so in opposition and so paradigm crushing to the, the narrative that they were promoting that they had to immediately backpedal and start smearing me. Yep, so exactly. then on Tuesday morning, I woke up, you know, at, on the high that I was on on Monday, like saying like, wow, this is so amazing. But at the same time, it's so weird because it's for all the wrong reasons that I'm being yep. lauded. And then I woke up to the articles that were just like cherry picking every single thing that I'd said, like misquoting me, mischaracterizing me, basically everything that I've done in the last 10 years, just trying to basically just say that I was like a lunatic. Um, I had to watch this neoconservative, like, puppet of bill crystal jamie kerchick on um on lawrence o'donnell's show basically calling me a lunatic yeah that night and i was just like wait this is the same guy that trolled rt in the past um and went on and said i only come on this channel to fuck with russians because the camera was still rolling after uh -huh. he did the gay stunt he was on to talk about bradley manning and he like refused to talk about bradley manning and just talked about the gay law totally troll appearance made up all this shit in the aftermath said that rt like kicked him out on the side of the road like all of this just completely yeah. unconfirmed sensationalist headlines because he's just like a professional troll yeah and we found out that he he was the same guy that actually brought up the ron paul yeah. racist newsletters thing from 2008 he injected that into the dialogue and then he also was one of the earliest people to write about what type of like harsh realities gays face in russia and coming from him nothing he says can be trusted at this point yeah and we'll get into who this guy really is in one second but i wanted to say one more thing about um about what what went down the rest of the week which is um so you know i saw this guy going on Lawrence o'donnell and connected that it was the same guy that had trolled rt and i was like that's really weird this guy's like a total nobody 
He's like a complete shill working in DC. Like that's really weird that he would be the voice that would be invited to be like making a statement about what I did. Uh It was just weird in general that that would even be like a person of interest. Like why would he even be asked to go on? So I was like, this is already very suspicious. And you know, I I don't hide the fact that I was in the 9-11 truth movement. Like I used to be a very radical activist. I questioned a lot of things that the government told me. Like I've since evolved my platform and I'm, like a responsible journalist and all I can do is just like ask questions about what I see is wrong, like cite inconsistencies. Um, But of course, all of these people like the New York Times picked up this video of me in like 2006 and just like quoted the most extreme things that I said when it was like in the heat of the moment at this rally six years ago saying some stuff that I do not stand by today. And it was just amazing to see how easy it is to discredit and smear someone in the mainstream media's eyes, even though I'm sure the majority of the world can agree that we were lied to about 9-11. I mean, the Saudi Arabia connection yeah. alone is, is enough to make you kind of wonder why did, was that covered up in the commission report, et cetera. But it's such an easy thing to just be like, she's a lunatic, she's a truther, she has a tinfoil hat on because she's talked about fluoride, because she's talked about 9-11. It's like... It's just a really the, easy way to put you in a box yeah, without like, having to totally look into Yeah, totally put me in a box. And like, there's, you know waking up to these hit pieces not only from the new york times just solely focusing in on this 9-11 stuff that i did like a long time ago but this other blog little green footballs all these anti glenn greenwald people you know yeah daily banter yeah i was just gonna say the lawrence o'donnell thing to me seemed like it was almost like a way to get back at glenn greenwald because i've seen glenn greenwald and lawrence o'donnell go at it before and lawrence o'donnell like you could tell he hates glenn greenwald because glenn greenwald Kick, fucking kicks his oh, I'm ass sorry, he's every a real time. journalist. Lawrence O'Donnell is a total fucking shill. I bet I mean, you even the people at MSNBC generally think he's a fucking dickhead. Because like, and he not, and not only had Jamie Kirchick on the guy who was for the the neoconservative think tank, the Foreign Policy Initiative, ran by Bill Kristol and the guy who worked under Paul Bremer. We'll talk about that later. But he also had on another guest, I think her name was Marcy something, who basically was saying this, parroting the same things Kirchick was saying. So yeah. it's like they had two guests on who had completely non-opposing views who were spreading essentially agitation propaganda about how what you did was inconsequential because in essence it was like a Russian ploy. Oh yeah, They yeah, were this calling the you a conspiracy part. theorist yeah, the while part. inventing a conspiracy right. theory so about Kirchner what happened. So goes out there and he calls me a lunatic a truth or a lunatic who thinks this and that, who thinks the government's controlling us, blah, blah, blah. And then he goes on to talk about how what I did was conspired by the Russian government. It was the weirdest thing ever. It was like this crazy guy. And he is crazy. I mean, and what's amazing is that a journalist like this is somehow considered legitimate enough to go on these networks. It really shows you how warped this all is. And I, and when I say that I, you know, I did an interview with this big newspaper in Britain and, they kind of just cherry picked a lot of the conversation that we had and, and didn't really explain. It was titled, I feel like I'm in house of cards. She <laughs> missed the point of why I feel like I'm in house of cards because why I felt like I was in house of cards and I still do is because I saw myself getting smeared by a neoconservative war machine. And the very next day, Liz wall, my coworker resigned on air and, and so I saw her res- resign on air and I was like, wow, that's really crazy. I was at first I was like, well, I guess if she feels that strongly about like RT, then I mean, I've never heard her complain or whatever, but if she feels that strongly, then, you know, whatever. And, and this then, was how many days after this was you did three days after. Okay. And then what happened next was truly bizarre. 
so I was already slated to go on Piers Morgan that night. That was like the only interview that I accepted to go on because I was getting flooded by like thousands of news requests so I can explain my position. Yeah. And then as I'm in the CNN studio with like my crew, I realized that Liz Wall is going to be on right after me. And I was like, wow, this is so surreal. Like I realized that she had already had like a media tour lined up, like immediately following the resignation. The amount of time that had yeah. elapsed since she did her on-air resignation was like an hour to like yeah. full on press coverage. And then here's the weirdest part of all, like, and then I realized that an interview was published within like the hour of her resignation is guess who it was authored by Jamie Kirchnick. Um, the same Kerchick. guy, I don't even fucking yeah. care. What I mean, we, yeah. But what was so amazing is to see him actually writing this article and and this is the same guy who went on, um, Lawrence O'Donnell and called me a lunatic just the night before. Keep that in mind. This is the person who is coaching Liz throughout her entire process of media blitz and on-air resignation and broke the story that she resigned and why she did it. And of course, in the article, he starts off by discrediting me because, of course, you have to discredit the one who's, you yeah. know, initially did yeah, yeah. The, the stance to immediately laud the person who's like the real brave one going out and resigning on air. It's like, oh, shit. Um, so that was that was very fascinating. I was like, wait, this is so weird. I was like, so Jamie Kirchnick is like working with Liz. I was like still trying to figure out what was going on. I was so confused because Liz was a good friend of mine. I was like, why is she teaming up with the same guy who went on and completely discredited me in front of the entire world essentially yeah, on corporate yeah. media i was like that's weird so then i go on piers morgan and you know i say my piece i took i took the opportunity not to get baited into trashing all of my work that i had done for the last two years plus all of my colleagues um instead i took the chance to be consistent completely with everything that i've been saying as far long as i've been involved in politics which is that the corporate media does the exact same thing, if not worse, in terms of warmongering, fearmongering, towing the exact same line of the U.S. establishment, not just with the Iraq war, with the NATO interventions, um, with everything. I mean, we've talked about this for years. The corporate media echoes the U.S. establishment. There is actually uh, absolutely no bucking of what the U.S. does. It promotes a, a narrative of, of American exceptionalism. It does not question outside of the box it marginalizes third-party voices it minimizes radical thought um it promotes the two-party paradigm it does incredible damage and not only that but it is funded by thousands of corporate interests rt the interest is in the name as i've said um you know and what's amazing is like going on npr and stuff like piers morgan sounded so shocked and so did bob garfield on npr on the media when I went on these networks and they, and I was just like, look, you guys deal with self-censorship. I was like, everyone does. Um, and you guys are working on corporate media and they both acted shocked. Like we don't self-censor. What are you talking about? And it's like, dude, okay. If you don't self-censor, then you are extremely generic. Like yeah. you are the most generic journalist in the world. If you do not self-censor, then you like have nothing to say. <laughs> like you, so you're saying that you just like toe the line because you want to and you believe in like exactly what's going on no matter what, like about the whatever politicians say? It's almost like they've been raised in condition throughout their lives to believe to actually believe in the false reality exactly. that they're talking about. So therefore they don't see it as self censorship because to them it's it's not because 
apparently that's what they actually believe and that's actually kind of a disturbing insight into how warped shit is it is and npr you know i wasn't really prepared with that interview because i didn't realize like i i kind of got like suckered into like doing that without really realizing that it was going to be such a hit piece and then the way that he was interviewing me it was like very apparent early on but i could have said a lot more if i had like done more research on npr about who exactly their corporate donors are but i know that they had gotten money from oil companies and, and the most insidious thing about npr not only have they been referred to as National Pentagon Radio, and I've had an NPR ex-employee on my show saying that she was sick of republishing government press releases and that it was disgusting, the collusion <laughs> on the Hill between NPR reporters and the government. But on top of that, I looked at their corporate donor list and it's like thousands of corporations. I mean, they, and the most insidious thing about it is that it's called National Public Radio. Yeah. When you are just like public, like PBS, it's like people think that it's funded by the public. Mm-hmm. And that's the scariest part. It's like when you're listening to this radio station, you actually think that it's like donor funded by yeah. people. So what I the point that I tried to make to him is when he was like, You're working for an explicit propaganda machine and blah blah blah. It's like, dude, the real question that all of these people should be asking is why is the state of media so abysmal in this country that young American journalists who are radicals and want to get thoughts out there that aren't permitted by the establishment why do they have to go to a russian funded television station in order to tell the truth about the u.s establishment in order to hold corporations accountable for their actions that's the question that these media figures should be asking and i think that point gets lost on a lot of people i I, it just it just is amazing that that's somehow not like interpreted the fact that that's why we have to work here. Yeah. Well, it's because you're flipping the narrative on them. All they're intent on trying to do is even, even this guy, was his name? Bob Garfield yeah. on NPR. Like he kept using the word, the Kremlin, the Kremlin, yeah. the Kremlin, like even just, it's like this narrative has been so already solidified that they want to push that they're all using the word, the Kremlin. You yeah. wouldn't have heard any like media outlets, mainstream media outlets calling Russia that, you know, six months ago. Um, they're all intent on with the pre-framed like debate that this is a propaganda network and you are getting marching orders from Putin. So it's like, they're almost just re- like refusing to let you even like actually explain who you are and like what yeah, you stand of course, for. Of course. So like, I mean, but the NPR one was interesting because yeah, you usually see NPR as a, um, you know, more intellectual liberal leaning network but it's funny that I didn't connect this to this fact together until like yesterday. But um, a friend of mine on Facebook sent me a link to an NPR piece about you and Liz Wall and RT being propaganda. It was before you got interviewed on mm-hmm. them. It was I think this was from like Wednesday, right after Liz Wall resigned. And it was like, I guess I just didn't realize when I listen to NPR normally that they have quotes from think tanks, you know, and it, they kept going to. The foreign policy from the foreign policy initiative, Jamie Kirchick, (laughs) who also writes for Radio Free Europe. Those were his two associations, how they introduced him. And they were like, and and all he kept saying was, was just like, sort of like buzz phrases about RT, that they're trying to appeal to millennials and conspiracy theorists, um, that they're he kept using the word Putin. Mm-hmm. This is what Putin wants them to do and all this shit. He used the word, the Kremlin. That's what they're trying to inject in. And I think that that was one of the most transparent things that he's done so far is this little tiny NPR appearance, because not only was he officially appearing on behalf of the think tank with the sound bites, that's how he was credited, but he was using all the buzzwords. Yeah. Putin. This is like Putin's network, mm-hmm. the Kremlin, 
marching orders from the Kremlin. Um, he used the phrase, um, yeah, millennials and conspiracy theorists. That's sort of like what the neocons do is they, they use these like really innocuous seeming words and phrases to just sort of make this narrative so much easier to repeat by an average person. Yeah, and unfortunately, every single time that people would talk about RT, it was preempted with the phrase the kremlin funded 24-hour <laughs> yeah, yeah, news yeah. propaganda channel and like i was we're just back like, in the 1980s i was just like all would sudden. you say the qatari funded al jazeera when you're introducing an al jazeera employee it almost seems like they were waiting in the wings for an opportunity to go after rt for something really heavy or whatever and your genuine expression on monday where you went off script and said you, you made your piece that probably really upset them because they were probably looking for a way to just like make RT look like pure propaganda. Yeah. And it like sort of disrupted their plan. I mean, I'm not saying that how long they had this plan in advance, but obviously clearly we know that Kerchik was already trying to disrupt no, and RT. Eli, with and the Eli stunt. Lake was already trying to like promote like to all the like other journalists in DC, like boycott RT, boycott oh, RT. He was already like all actively before. trying to get a boycott. Oh, yeah, apparently Eli Lake was actually exposed for hyping up and exaggerating and and like basically lying about you remember that a quote al-qaeda, al-Qaeda conference, conference call? call yeah the fake that story. was actually apparently that came from his spin on the story the new yorker did a great breakdown of like how he just completely like made it up basically <laughs> whoops yeah so he was exposed for that it's like actually on his wikipedia page like these people have been involved in multiple scandals already i mean it's it's no secret that jamie kerchick worked for a state-ran um, radio station that broadcasts what's called white propaganda, where they where it's broadcast all over the world, they they make it openly known that it's like a U.S. government-ran radio station. I don't know how true that is, but of all the state-ran media organizations across the entire world, Radio Free Europe is what it's called, ran by the United States Congress, used to be funded by the CIA. I mean, who knows if it still is or not. Um, they've broadcast more hours in total and they still do than any other like state funded media organization in the entire world. Like they beat them all. So, and that was the most ironic part is that Jamie Kerchick has the balls to call me a state propagandist and to call everyone working at RT like tools of Putin. He literally is a state propagandist. It is disgusting. They probably don't even remember what it's like to deal with normal human beings who actually are like you you know who like are real people so it's like it just creates an interesting dynamic where you're like battling with this group of people who are on such a different wavelength of manipulation yeah. and lying like it's nothing right right, right. making up things in every story they write embellishing them obvious embellishments that people can easily see through the neoconservative agenda in dc is to smear 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 derail 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 and they know that people have such short-term memory that they won't follow like the majority of people won't follow up and and look at who these people are and simple language like almost like childlike language to make it frame it like a good versus evil thing putin's using like the ownership conspiracy theory and they know that like the the big buzzword that somehow everyone picked up on was the fact that i covered fluoride can i just say this for the record i don't think fluoride's a government conspiracy and i explained this in the video that i did if anyone fucking took the time to watch it they can understand exactly what my position is it's a phosphate fertilizer chemical runoff that's dumped in the water supply. It's called hexafluorosilicic acid. And I, my whole thing about it was, hey, this is really crazy. Um, we should probably 
have like a choice if we're like paying consumers of a water company to know you know if we want fluoride or not in our water it was like a yeah. very simple like rational argument that i would say about any chemical i mean it's it's actually just kind of disgusting when you actually think about what they do that it's a runoff from fertilizer yeah, manufacturing like these scrubbers put into the water supply it's not like some dental association <laughs> is manufacturing really high-grade fluoride yeah, yeah, yeah. And is like putting it in our water supply for our dental health. It's because an industry has a bunch of excess product that they can make money right. off of. And somehow a long time ago, they struck a deal with like public utility companies. And it's amazing that it got turned into me being a batshit crazy conspiracy theorist because I talked about that. It's like, dude, it's amazing what happened to me. And it's amazing what it was all coordinated from which is all these people who are extremely threatened by Glenn Greenwald. They're extremely yeah. threatened oh, yeah. by let's Russia and that they're they, extremely threatened by RT. Yeah. And let's not forget to mention that the other people that they're attacking the most are people like Edward Snowden, yeah. Bradley Manning yeah. and Glenn Greenwald. Yeah. Cause okay. Um, God, there's just so much. I don't even know where to start. They saw something about fluoride. They probably didn't even watch the video yeah, because yeah, yeah. the beautiful thing is, you know, on this, I'm, uh, there was a specific article on Little Green Footballs that's like, and she thinks fluoride is brainwashing the population. And then they post your video underneath of it. So anybody could just watch your video and see that he made he made up that yeah. like description of the video. And, and then this guy also posted a video of me performing music on Abby's show and talking about the Freemasonic history of the United States Which and the Founding Fathers. Which is a documented fact. Yeah. And he was. He said, "This is literally in the Little Green Footballs article that Freemasons, um, he, when he really means Freemasons, see Jews, wow. meaning that I was using coded language wow. to secretly spread anti-Semitism out on your show. So I think that these people actually did sh really sloppy shit, like to try to smear you because they know how that works. Like it's they know it's only how surface easy it level. Is. Yeah, people yeah, will yeah. glance at that. Right. You know, the people who they're like the choir that they're preaching to, like all little green footballs fans, they probably won't watch the video. Right. But anyone who's like on the fence about you or who's never heard of nine 11 truth or you or any fluoride shit will just be like, wait, she's not talking about what this guy said. And this guy just seems intent on destroying her. Yeah. Clearly hates her. <laughs> And let's get into a little bit more about who this guy Jamie Kerchick is because, um, you know, he, he, he made himself, the only reason that he was even like in the limelight is because he trolled RT and then immediately got on all these networks. Yeah. But what's amazing about him is that he actually has advocated to execute Chelsea Manning. Yeah. As a gay male. Yeah. And I've, I've been doing a lot of research on his past and I've just mainly been looking for stuff where... You know, on the tip that we were on six months ago, we were talking about how this this anti-gay Russian law was being injected in the narrative. This idea that, you know, a lot of liberals are starting to, like, get upset at Russia was starting to happen. I Because of that, I started looking into his, uh, his writings for various um, gay publications like The Advocate and Out Magazine. And I think he wrote one... He wrote several articles about Chelsea Manning for those publications. Basically, the gist of the article was that Chelsea Manning, and this was when it, back when um, it was Bradley Manning, Bradley Manning is no gay hero, was a title of one of the articles. Wow. And, and keep in mind, this is the same guy who advocated for a harsher sentence for Chelsea Manning, basically the death penalty, yeah, he said. Yeah, maximum sentence, yeah. Um, which 
as far as I know, I don't really know of any other public figures who have actually came out and said that Chelsea Manning should get the death penalty, except for John Bolton, <laughs> widely considered to be like a borderline insane neoconservative, um, the guy that uh, Bush hired to be the representative at the UN. Um, and then also he was the guy who did the the um, protest on Russia Today where he wore rainbow suspenders. And the funny part about that is he was actually asked on Russia Today in a roundtable discussion about Bradley Manning because they wanted to find out why he advocated for Chelsea Manning's <laughs> Chelsea Manning's execution. They wanted him to come on and defend that point of right. view. So instead he did this pro quote unquote protest um, where he wore rainbow suspenders and talked about how reprehensible the gay laws in Russia were. And then uh, after he stopped, like after he, he, his mic got cut or whatever, he said off camera that he wanted to fuck with the Russians. And yeah, that's why like, he I came. I just come on this network to fuck with the Russians. So Jamie Kirchner has made this entire thing pretty much about himself. Like he like, if anyone's been to DC, it's probably the most like secure city in like the, the country, if not the world. Like it's like, you know, there's security in every single building. Um, you know, there's no like buildings that can go above a certain height. Like it's just like extremely secure. Um, Jamie Kirchick comes to the office and like is harassing all these people walking in and out. And so the building security like called the police. They didn't know who the fuck this guy was. Like I had not, I didn't even know the what was building happening. Security who, who basically zero to do with is RT. responsible for like 20 different yeah. tenants, including Merrill Lynch and yeah. like several other like banks yeah. and financial institutions. And there's also FBI house on our, in our building yeah. too. Unmarked. They're not listed yeah, in the yeah, directory. Yeah. But, of course not. Yeah. Um, and so he makes a story and it's like, even like repeated, this is how this guy operates. He's so Machiavellian. He like just creates news out of nothing and it somehow gets picked up. But so he like made up this thing that like RT, like, Oh, you think, you think press is free in Russia? Well, they just called the cops on me. Cause I was like asking people questions. It was like, what in the fuck are you talking about? My friend Sam at work just like kept tweeting at him just being like, you need to retract this headline because the Daily Beast published a headline saying Jamie Kirchick arrested at RT. And he was just like, um, or like RT arrest Jamie Kirchick or whatever, sends the police. And he was like, please update this headline. It is completely false. And like he goes in like this Twitter war and he screenshots the whole thing, just proving basically they finally had to like retract the headline because it was just completely fake. Yeah, and, and then it was still, and then by the end, the headline was still extremely misleading and false. Yeah, they just like they kept like making all these little tiny concessions about the the obvious exaggeration in it to make it seem like RT had them arrested. You know, you know, and it, what really sucked is like waking up to not only all the crazy like neoconservatism ag agitation propaganda, total sham, but to wake up to like Liz actually telling publications that I'm anti-West. Putin like likes what I have to say I was just immediately following the interview that this ex quote unquote exclusive interview he did of Liz Wall and it's and by all accounts the interview appeared to have been pre-written before her on-air resignation just for the record so right after that right after her resignation Jamie Kirchick was just trying to milk the publicity stunt that he was part of to the nth degree so hard that he posted a selfie picture of him with Liz Wall, like apparently somewhere in DC, he had like linked up with her. And then the, like the next three media appearances that she did, she would, she kept using language like that he had been using from these foreign policy initiative spots, um, saying things like, this is what Putin wants. Putin likes Abby's show because it's the, what the Kremlin wants. Yeah.
it's almost like the neoconservative language is like designed to fool people over like 60 and like just dumb people. <laughs> but, but I think that they probably see, oh, most people fall into these categories of being generally unintelligent people who just aren't plugged into shit and yeah. just don't care to follow up on something beyond a headline. Yeah, and that's was, what they're counting on. It was truly on. shocking. And so I just had to set the record straight to say, like, I'm completely morally consistent. This guy is sort of like the, the doppelganger that the universe has, like, pitted against you. Because not only is he young, and not only does he try to appeal to liberalism, but he is stands for all the things you're against. He's extremely pro-Israel. Um, he wants to put the United States on an adversarial pivot with Russia. Um, he tries to spread neoconservative um, he propaganda like saying we want to um, execute Bradley Manning into gay culture it's like everything that you stand completely in opposition to and then on top of that you know you work for RT you actually have editorial control over your content yeah. it's your own voice right. he works for you know apparently he works for the Daily Beast and all these little publications individually that his, his master is Radio Free Europe, which is an um, a what they call a white propaganda network that is funded entirely by the U.S. Congress, and that's what we know on record and talk public about records other right now. Think tanks. Yeah, let me just go over the Radio Free Europe yeah, just yeah, really yeah, quickly. Course. So Radio Free Europe uh, slash Radio Liberty is another name for it. <laughs> is is the probably the place that most people heard of it first was during the Iraq War when when the U.S. Uh, started their occupation of Iraq, they started broadcasting on FM and AM radio airwaves pro-U.S. propaganda in Arabic. So this was like an officially United States-ran radio channel that was broadcasting across Iraqi airwaves, um, you know, pro-U.S. propaganda. You know, it wasn't just in, in Iraq. It's actually all over the world. Um, they operate in many different countries i don't know exactly how many um it says that they actually broadcast this is from wikipedia that the radio free europe broadcasts in 28 different languages to 21 countries um including armenia russia iran afghanistan pakistan and iraq and those are just like the most famous you know countries that they broadcast to um but on Wikipedia, they label Radio Free Europe as what's described as white propaganda. Um, and I guess that's defined as propaganda where the source of the propaganda is not hidden or obscured. Here's the difference is that no one anywhere calls out Jamie Kerchick for being a propagandist. What's, except for... But the, except for what? Except for like one reporter on Twitter. I saw, yeah. I saw him call out Jamie Kerchick and but he's he like, wait, really you work for Radio Free Europe? I mean, he kind of did because because the whole premise of Jamie Kerchick was that this is this is you know Russian propaganda. But yet, when the guy called Jamie Kerchick out on being um, you know propagandist basically for Radio Free Europe, essentially for the U.S. government, state-run media organization, he was like, "I was never talking about state-run media. I was. This is all about editorial freedom." So like. It's almost like, it's like midstream. Oh, really? Do you have editorial freedom to speak out against the U.S. government? Let's well, that's why it's so funny. It, it's like it's like he changed his. He's trying to like retune his narrative midstream and make it seem like like you didn't really have editorial freedom as all Russian ploy. Like, but he's probably like sort of retracting a little bit the idea that right. because it's state run, it's bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the whole thing that he's trying to frame it, uh, the whole way he's trying to frame it is by saying like it's bad because it's Putin's 
what Putin wants and stuff. Like he's trying to almost, you know what he's trying to do? And not just he, and not, I don't want to make this guy like, I don't yeah. want people to think this guy is like no. at the top of any pyramid. He's- it's not true that you have more freedom than anyone else on TV. I don't, I mean, I don't think that that's true. I think that a lot of these reporters could do what you did they if they had the courage to. Right. I mean, a lot of them are very high paycheck. The they're hard. celebrities to the point where their boss is not going to let them go very easily. You know, someone like Anderson Cooper, if he wanted to go off script now and actually like speak yeah. from his heart, what he morally believes in, they wouldn't fire him. He's too, he's like too much of a money maker right. for them. So, and I think what part of what they're scared of about what you did is that you, what you did in some ways vindicates and also... No, vindicates is the wrong word. It inspires and it also makes reporters and journalists remember how much power that they could potentially right. have if they wielded it. And what Glenn Greenwald did is the same thing with the whistleblowing with Edward Snowden is he's shown people that when you actually commit to the ethics of journalism and truth-telling and fighting the establishment, you you can make a fucking huge shockwave with just one person working with, you know, with a f- team of people. Like, this is possible. And I have to give props to also Jake Tapper, incredible journalist who has always been a muckraker. He's been on the Hill, like, probably the most critical White House reporter about Obama. I mean, he has toned down a little bit since getting on on CNN, but he he covered it very fairly. Jenk Uger, who also worked for MSNBC, totally verified everything that I said on Piers Morgan about my criticism of corporate media. I mean, he was just like, this is exactly how it works. He's like, we self-censor all the time. He's like, we can't, he's like, of course corporate, of course corporate media is yeah. beholden to its advertisers. He's like, that's completely known. He's like, that's why I quit. <laughs> like I yeah. quit because I was told don't criticize Obama. And I was told like, don't criticize cor- the corporate interests that are funding this station. I mean, it's extremely obvious. And I wanted to play a quick clip re- really quickly of Jank. Um, talking about it because it's just really fun to hear someone who literally worked for MSM. Literally. Literally. Let's hear it. Abby Martin is an anchor for RT. She made a bold and courageous uh, move the other day and she said that she does not agree with the Russian invasion of Crimea. She said it on air on RT, which is run by the Russian government. So that was very bold uh, and she's gotten a lot of attention for that uh, and well deserved. So she went on Piers Morgan with, uh, on CNN and uh, had a discussion about this. A uh, couple of things she said I thought were right on and then I, I love the ending of the interview. So let's watch this clip first. I mean, are you concerned about other parts of the programming on RT America? I mean, do you believe that although your show may have that kind of independence of voice, that a lot of the other programming doesn't and has drifted in the last week into blatant propaganda? Here's no different than every other corporate media station. I mean, we're talking about six corporations that control 90% of what Americans see, hear, and read. The lead up to the Iraq war, parroting exactly what the establishment said. I mean, you could reflect the exact same criticism on all the corporate media channels. So, you know, I can only speak for my show. I stay true to my moral compass, but um, RT toes a perspective of the Russian foreign policy, just as the entire corporate media apparatus toes the perspective of the U.S. establishment. The reason I love that clip is because, uh, number one, she's not being hypocritical. She's saying, look, RT does toe the line for the Russian perspective, but you guys toe the line for the establishment in America. And then she proves it with facts. And she's, she's right, 90%, uh, six corporations control about 90% 
of the American media. That's amazing. That's basically an oligopoly. And almost all of those corporations have enormous connections to the U.S. government. For example, Comcast, which owns NBC and MSNBC, is about to do a merger with the second largest cable operation, Time Warner Cable. Well, they need government approval for that. So they scratch the government's back, the government scratches their back, and around and around they go. And by the way, they hire people that are in government, and they go back into government, and go to corporations, government revolving doors. She's totally right about that. Obviously, I worked on cable news, and I'm very familiar with that, and there's no question. Now, I'm gonna give you one more perspective on that after we watch the next clip, because I liked Pierre's uh, shocked reaction to this. But I think that the real question that should be asked is why do I have to work for RT to tell the truth about corporations and the U.S. government? I mean, seriously, you guys are beholden to advertisers that you cannot criticize, and that's why I work for a station that I can criticize. Well, hang on, hang on, hang sure. on a sec. I'm, I'm, free to say what, I'm free to say what the hell I like. Sure. No one's ever told me I can't criticize advertisers or corporate entities. That, that conversation has never happened in the three years I've been on air at CNN. Fair enough, Piers, but I think, I, think, I think a lot of people deal with self-censorship all across the media spectrum. Well, I certainly don't. That's probably one of my problems. I don't know, maybe that was one of your problems, Pierce. And by the way, that is exactly how things work. If you do the right things, meaning you toe the line, you get promoted and re-upped, etc. And if you don't, you find yourself out the door. Now, I have no idea the relationship between Piers Morgan and CNN and what he was or was not told. I do know that in cable news, yes, if you're going to go after one of the advertisers, that's a major issue. Honestly, I remember one segment where I had one of the advertisers for MSNBC uh, as a point of criticism uh, in the segment that I was doing, and management called and said, can you at least move them down? And it was their station, and I, I'm not proud of this at all. And you know, and obviously I stood up to that same management, and I believe that I proved which side I was on uh, in that issue, but in that moment they said, move it down. Does it happen? Yes, it definitely happens. Now I kept it in the story. They wanted me to take it out of the story entirely. I kept it in the story, but we moved it from the lead to a little bit lower in the story. Were they sensitive to the advertisers? Of course, of course they are. Are they beholden to them? Of course they are. Are they beholden to the parent corporation? Well, that's who pays the bills. Of course they are. And are they beholden to the establishment? Well, I, I literally got a speech at MSNBC, uh, MSNBC saying that the establishment was not happy with my tone. Literally, that was said to me. So yes, I mean, Piers Morgan could be outraged and maybe he's outraged because that's his perspective. But I can guarantee you that there's a lot of perspectives in cable news where yes, they tell you, make sure you toe the line. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, I mean, you know, I'm I'm not on the same page, you know, 100% with Jake Tapper, Cenk Uger, or Glenn Greenwald, but of the mainstream, you know, you know, if you want to even consider Glenn Greenwald or Cenk Uger mainstream, of the quote-unquote mainstream or quasi-mainstream journalists, I mean, they're the three best ones out there, I mean, by a long shot. So just the fact that they were super fair about your story and actually like promoted your work like jake tapper tweeted to a full episode mm -hmm. of breaking the set um glenn greenwald continued to defend you on twitter he even posted like a joke about how conspiracy theories are only bad when they're anti-establishment but if like mm -hmm. conspiracy theories are pro-establishment they're okay yeah um which as far as i'm concerned is is him indirectly saying that your 9 11 truth past is completely irrelevant to what's happening right you know 
um so it's i mean it's just it's really extremely vindicating to watch people that i've had the most trust for mm-hmm. you know sometimes it's wavered you know sometimes they like especially chank and jake tapper get a little bit in like the partisan cycle yeah. um but i mean just seeing them so getting the story so right and actually understanding what was happening well the okay the the think tank at the foreign policy initiative has been described by people as the basically the new pnac and pnac was the project for the new american century which wrote the infamous document titled rebuilding america's defenses which is essentially how after the cold war do we reassert our dominance over the rest of the world yeah i mean the document basically says that without a, a major ad, like attack like Pearl Harbor that we would not be able to reassert our dominance all over the world in the ways that we would need to to be like the world hegemonic power that would have power over everybody else. Now this think tank is headed by William Crystal which is widely considered like the modern father of, you know, modern neoconservative propaganda um him along with people like Richard Pearl. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the the two main brains. You know, the the sort of the, the where the where the ideas probably a lot of them come from, like the the big guys. Um, Eric Edelman uh, also sits on the board. The board of directors is only comprised of four people. Like Eric Edelman is also on the board with Crystal. Eric Edelman was the Under Secretary of Defense during George W. Bush, and I guess under the Bush administration, he used to. Um, go out into the press and try to smear people like Hillary Clinton specifically um, when she used words like we need to change course in Iraq like Hillary Clinton went out and said we need to change course Mm -hmm. in Iraq and he went out and said um, that's the talk of a traitor that's giving fodder to the enemy so like describing extremely innocuous statements as like giving fodder to the enemy you know like that's crazy level of neoconservatism right there Robert Kagan, um, someone else who sits on the board of this same think tank, um, he was apparently the co-founder of PNAC, a member of the Brookings Institute and CFR. And the notable propaganda he was involved in is during um, the, um, the Iraq war, he was behind a lot of the rhetoric trying to turn America away from Europe, trying to uh, position Europe as this weak entity that couldn't stand up for themselves and couldn't stand up for good, you know. So we needed basically to turn away from Europe and not take them as seriously anymore. Planting a lot of the seeds basically that led to the UN, you know, um, you know, where we just defied the UN and went into Iraq anyways. Um, and then the fourth guy on this board, there's only four people, his name is Dan Senor. He worked directly under Paul Bremer um, and Paul Bremer was the occupation governor in Iraq. He was basically Disgusting. the Iraqi dictator. Yeah. So this guy, Den Senor, was Paul Bremer's spokesperson. He was like the voice of the dict- the American dictatorship in Iraq. Um, and he also worked as Mitt Romney's foreign policy advisor during his so campaign. So four of like pretty much the worst people you can imagine. <laughs> like- yes, but this is an interesting fact about Dan Senor. Is in Mitt Romney's campaign during the debates, Mitt Romney actually said during the debates that russia should be looked at like as a potential enemy a potential threat and i remember obama sort of mocked him but this fucking guy who sits on the board with four with three other people of this think tank was advising mitt romney's foreign policy so he was like trying to plant these seeds into the dialogue all the way back in 2000 and 
what is it now 2012 yeah, yeah and two look at years and, ago and look at how crazy the narrative spinning now it's like here's you know the u.s has what like 900 military bases around the world we're in how many fucking countries just completely undermining the democratic process of like yeah. dozens of countries investing billions of dollars in like militias and like honduras like the drug wars like killing millions of people incarcerating millions of people and russia does this military maneuver and it's like let's isolate russia and like throw economic sanctions on them and everyone's like yeah it's like what they're like, trying to what put what in the hell is going on so the foreign policy initiative the think tank that kirchick is the fellow of and kirchick is the only journalist that has this much um public exposure that works yeah. for this think tank so he's like the, he's like their little media man that they yeah. like send out and to parrot all the stuff that they're and most of the stuff he does is not officially on behalf of this think tank it's just you know regular articles editorials sure, yeah. but what's interesting is the stuff that he has done officially on behalf of the think tank mirrors exactly what he did for the daily banter the daily beast specifically well, first, let me read you the mission statement because yeah. I'm going to go into some of the specifics of yeah. what he did for them. So the, the foreign policy initiative mission statement is the United as quote, the United States and its democratic allies face many foreign policy <laughs> challenges. They come from rising and resurgent powers, including China and Russia. Wow. They come from other autocracies that violate the rights of their citizens. They come from rogue states that work with each other in ways inimical to our interests and principles and that sponsor terrorism and pursue weapons of mass destruction wow they come from al-qaeda and its affiliates who continue to plot attacks against the united states and our allies this is not just like a quote i'm taking just out of a whole giant essay this is like their this is literally their mission statement that is like so it's just straight up george w amazing. bush neoconservatism wow they come from failed states that serve as havens for terrorists evil too? no they don't go that's they fall short of actually using the phrase axis of evil <laughs> but pretty fucking close i mean it's like Insane, millimeters away Robbie. that is so disturbing they have all this web presence and nobody's looking at their shit their youtube videos have like 70 views and they're dropping like hardcore propaganda like in each one like we need to do wow. this to russia they had a video from a year ago where, the, where they had an Estonian parliament member who was basically saying we need to oppose Russia politically, talking about the United yeah. States. Um, this is something very concrete and very much needed. We need to relaunch the Helsinki movement. We need to support the activities of civil society in Russia. And then she goes on to talk about the gay laws. And then she also says, we need to find these areas where we can twist and tweak the Putin regime to let them know this behavior won't reward them. There's like an exact quote from the video. And this is the wow. foreign policy initiative, like think tank, like public meeting in DC, where there's Jamie Kirchick doing a think tank talk for the policy initiative, foreign policy initiative, in the headquarters of Radio Free Europe. <laughs> like, but there's like a there's like a um, foreign policy initiative poster to the right of him, and then the Radio Free Europe logo behind wow. him on the wall of their offices. So he's wearing many hats here but i think we can easily see that two of the most powerful entities of the hats that he's wearing the most powerful neoconservative cabal Amazing. that exists currently in this country that is doing work like this those are the hats that he's mainly wearing and like all the other hats are almost just like disguises so he can disguise and wrap this neoconservative propaganda and really that is that is the biggest enemy in the fight for what we're doing right now and i think what activists all across the country are doing which is trying to you know 
reestablish civil liberties, human rights, like environmental protection, all of these things like are true the enemies, liberalism. Yeah, are the enemies of neoconservatism. And people yeah. need to understand that this is all concocted in a complete charade from state propagandists by the U.S. government. Yeah. It's fascinating. It is actually very fascinating. Well, it's fascinating, too, because he doesn't seem to be going out of his way to appeal to conservatives or neoconservatives even. Like, he's not even touching... You know, like he writes for the Weekly Standard and New Republic, but the articles he's writing for those, you know, aren't really about this. It's what he's trying to do specifically, and this is what where the actual danger comes in because it's actually effective. Is that he is injecting this carefully constructed neoconservative propaganda into liberal thought? Right. You know, um, Out Magazine, different Out Magazine, The Advocate, The Daily Banter, or uh, Daily, Daily Banter is even kind of liberal leaning. But he doesn't write for the Daily Banter. That was another. Okay. Weird guy obsessed with me who wrote like six articles. About okay. Me. Yeah. Well, maybe they re-aggregated one of his articles because yeah, I saw have. one on there the other day. But yeah, it's like and 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 um, he was hailed as like a hero among liberals for doing that that gay stunt. Like you didn't see when I say that gay stunt, I mean his pro, <laughs> his protest on Russia Today where he wore the rainbow suspenders right, right, and right. talked about the gay laws. That wasn't talked about on like conservative talk radio. That was talked about. On like yeah, he was my friend's Facebook feed, and he was and shit, paraded around you know? the like MSM just, on like pseudo liberal like shows. Yeah, but no, that's definitely where the danger comes in is that we actually have like a mole inside quote unquote liberalism. You know, a lot of these liberals are still in the bag for Obama, and they're definitely still not that well informed on what's what's going on. But at the same time, they're not buying into George W. Bush era neoconservatism. But it seems like with this guy's help they could be led in that direction you know and I, and I it's think, mis, it's very mis, intentionally misleading people off the right track and i think that's just really all of this this entire spectacle just completely reinforces everything that we constantly criticize about the media the way that they shape the narrative the way that they marginalize people who are a threat um who question them i mean this is the most obvious example because i mean <laughs> because it's fucking me <laughs> because it happened to me yeah it's amazing and you know well you could just see every single side of how the media distorts yeah. everything i mean even you know not not to say that we're ever big fans of Web webster tarpley um but just even seeing the way him and paul craig roberts like both took the exact same position and essentially like like had to even distort your your actual words to get their points across like they misquoted you yeah, in both of their articles me. about it saying that you said you you don't support military invasion right you didn't even say that you said i do not support a military occupation i mean not that that is like that different of a statement but still like they had this narrative like um, like they already like wanted to put out this narrative regardless Here, of it and was here's you. the problem like the, the problem is these two camps it's like the alternative media movement like has this camp where it's like the, like Russia's in the right. It's like, I don't understand the need to just like side with like Syria or side with the US, side yeah. with Russia, side it's with the US. It's very reactionary. very reactionary. And I am sorry, but it's like, involves a lot of hubris when you're calling an entire protest movement all full of neo-Nazis. Like that is a completely unfair generalization that is untrue. I'm yeah. sorry. Like, of course, millions of people are not all neo-Nazis. Like, yes, of course there are fascist elements and that's happening all over it's that the same see, like, thing economic insane. desperation yeah it's almost like the same type of distortion as saying all the protesters and um, people in syria are al-qaeda mm -hmm. exactly like, it's like equally as 
just it's it's like the alternative media has the tendency when i say the alternative media i mean the people who weren't on the side of a syrian right. invasion during that time they still fall prey to that you know thing where they just they um what am i trying to say they, <laughs> they just they, like latch onto one side it's like we have to be like yeah, anti they, this and pro that and it's like why yeah, can't yeah, they we go just... to the other side yeah and that's the whole thing with russia too and the webster tarpley like calling me out saying like abby's wrong and, P and paul craig roberts saying abby's wrong too because this was like a coup done by neo-nazis and stuff you're like look it's nothing's black and white and i think that we should just like take a step back from this reactionary language and just have a real discussion about how we can have true diplomacy like you know, the, the people of Crimea are having a referendum. I don't know if it's fair or not. The language didn't look too fair. But at the same time, why couldn't that be the step? Like, why did Russia have to exert any sort of, like, force with its military, even if they did have a binding agreement with the former government of Ukraine? Why yeah. couldn't we just push for this referendum, let them secede if they want to from Ukraine? That should have been the push. Like, well, it shouldn't have been done. I mean, like, yeah, the whole thing is like so fucked up. I mean, the fact that the U.S. was agitating the the um, you know, and trying to like increase and and exacerbate the protests over there is like really fucked up. I mean, it's just like, isn't this why we created world bodies in the first place so that people didn't have to resort to these kind of like mm -hmm. activities? Um, it's just it's weird. I mean, it makes me want to look back in history to things like during the cold war, how did the UN react to like us invading or like Russia invading Afghanistan and then us funding Mujahideen to fight them? Like, I just don't understand. Well, <laughs> like, definitely <laughs> reacted a lot better than probably now. I mean, I'm sure there was a lot more fair coverage of, of yeah. what was going on, but who knows? I mean, I mean, we know that during the cold war it was very reactionary. So yeah, it just goes to show that these world bodies like the UN, ultimately they have no power whatsoever. If like the two w biggest world superpowers are like fighting a proxy war by like, like one side is funding like a protest movement. And then the other just like, is like, nope, we're not going to let you like fund this, have anything to do with this protest movement. So we're just going to go in with our military and just like take over the and look country. At what, look, look, look what the U.S. If you want to know who runs the show, NATO, the U.N., the EU or the U.S., just look what happened in Iraq. The U.S. was like, fuck all of you who were invading Iraq. Yeah. Like it didn't even matter. Mm -hmm. And there was just zero accountability. A million people fucking dead. Yeah. A million people dead. And, and it's just so funny too that like if you talk to someone who's still a Bush supporter to this day, they will actually either say, yeah, what, what's with the UN? Like we don't have to listen to them or they'll say, no, we didn't. We, the UN let us go in like we, they, the Iraq like violated the treaty. So like we totally had every right to go in. It's like, like, don't you fucking remember that like <laughs> the UN like authorize us to put weapons inspectors in and we literally like were so we impatient them. with the experience that we were just like no sorry we're not gonna <laughs> wait like we know they have weapons so we're not gonna like wait for you guys to find them we're just gonna fucking we'll go find in. them later yeah and that's what happened like that's the reality of what happened yeah that is but the reality of what anyways. happened the reality in the media was just parroting everything <laughs> that the political establishment was saying zero apologies i mean selling the war and that's what really woke me up to the two-party paradigm and how this went well beyond the republican party and you know, I know people who watch my show and who probably follow media roots already understand the way the media manipulates things and the way it just completely mischaracterizes everything. And I think this spectacle just should prove that more than ever before. And just, well, it definitely proved it to you and me because we right. saw it from we saw. But I mean, it, the people who follow us like oh, yeah. know, saw that happening to and us. People too. who are smart enough to catch on, and I'm sure most of you, your viewers and our listeners, are that it was that this was a smear job on you you know, because they hi tried to hijack the narrative and it backfired on them. I don't know, just speak the truth as you see it in every medium that you can and tune out all the spin and garbage and just understand 
you know, who to, who to follow, who to put your trust in. I understand that people don't trust RT. I perfectly understand. I understand why people don't trust any outlet funded by questionable yeah. entities. It's very hard to get true journalism funded just by the people. Look at how hard democracy now struggles just to stay a- around. And they've done probably the most groundbreaking progressive journalism ever. And they still like, you know, they still have donation drives and stuff. It's just like, dude, I mean, people just need to realize how hard it is. And if you could just trust a journalist to be as true as they can and to fight for editorial freedom to the red line, (laughs) push it to their red line and the red line of whatever they're funded by, then that should tell you all you need to hear, like really. And just, you know, I just thank everyone for listening. I don't know if you wanted to say anything else. Yeah, I mean, I just think people should judge journalists based on their work and the effect, the positive effects that they have, you know, Um, especially the journalists that are actually trying to combat things like U.S. foreign policy and, um, you know, U.S. government overreach. Um, And I think people just spend too much time focusing on who, you know, who cuts your paycheck or who Mm -hmm. cuts Glenn Greenwald's paycheck. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I don't know. It's just at the end of the day, it's the work that we do. And like, it's not selling out to work for someone that you don't entirely agree with. It's like, what is, what is the quality of work that this person is putting out? Um, I've made it very clear, like what I think about what Russia is doing and that, I mean, and I'll continue and I'll continue to do that. And I've made it clear that like, I'll risk my job to continue speaking from my heart and telling the truth. And that's really like, what everyone should be doing and maybe we'd have a freer media if more people did that you know i just hope that we can really learn a lot from this experience and just come out stronger than ever and i hope that the people listening can understand what truly happened and use that as fuel too because these people have exposed themselves and all we can do is fight forward and and understand our enemy better it's the art of war baby all right you guys everyone thank you so much for listening um, please donate to MediaRoots.org to keep citizen journalism alive. It still costs a lot of money to manage the website and our SoundCloud account and stuff. And um, if, you, if anyone's a competent writer out there who needs little editing, hit up info at MediaRoots.org and our point person will hit you back and give you a little login and you can submit to the website and be a part of the team. And we're just always looking for new submissions and uh, new people on board. And let's just keep the movement growing. Let's keep the, the dialogue going. Now let's keep cutting through the bullshit. Have a good night. Have a good night, everybody. Peace out. <laughs>